I want to tell you guys a little something that you may know about me and you may not know about me. I only have nine toes. It's true. If you don't believe me, if you think I'm playing a prank on you, here's a picture of my actual feet. So, yeah, prove it. Pixar didn't happen, right? Yeah. By the way, if you're one of those people that get totally freaked out by feet, I'm sorry about the next few minutes. I'm just going to tell you up front. So this is my actual foot, uh, my left foot. I'm missing my second toe, kind of the pointer toe, I guess, if we could call it that. And if you pay close attention to the picture, you might be able to recognize that I wasn't born with some sort of deformity on my foot. I was born with 10 fingers and 10 toes, just like most people are. But when I was 20, one day I went to church and I had an accident and I severed my three middle toes on my left foot. But you guys probably don't want to hear that story. So let's get right into the Bible. First Corinthians chapter number 12. You do want to hear that story? Okay. This is, this is for the strong of stomach. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. So here's what happened. I was serving as an intern at the church that I was saved and baptized in. I was 19 years old, maybe 20, somewhere in that neighborhood. And uh, there was a gravel parking lot on our church property. And so the pastor came to me one day and he said, uh, Dan, I need you to go out and put some signposts in the ground so we can put up some parking and no parking signs down here on this particular gravel lot. And he said, uh, do you know how to use a T-post driver? And I was like, what's a T-post driver? And he was like, oh, let me show you. Now, if you don't know what a T-post driver is, I've got a picture for you. This is what a T-post driver is. Essentially, what you do is you take like the long, skinny metal pole or a wooden pole, and you set it like this in the ground. You slip the T-post driver. It weighs like 30, 40 pounds. It's made of steel. You slip the T-post driver over the top of the post. You lift it up. You slam it down. And when you do that, it goes down into the ground. That's how posts get put in the ground. And so he said, it's really simple. Like a monkey could use a T-post driver, Daniel. You'll be okay. So I said, okay, great. Seems like something I could do. When you're a youth intern at a church, basically they give you all the jobs that nobody else wants to do. And so I said, okay, this is just part of my job. I'll go do it. So I'm out there on the side of the road and I'm hammering posts into the ground and everything's going really, really well till this one moment where I'm about to lift it up, slam it down, and drive the post further into the ground. And our parking lot was right by a, a somewhat busy kind of highway road, right? And so I lift it up, and when I did, somebody drove by and honked. Now, I think I know who this person was that honked at me, okay? I'm pretty sure I know who it was, but they have never owned up to this. They were always like, no, it wasn't me, Daniel. I don't know who that was. It was so incredibly, incredibly obvious it was them, but they never owned up to it. So I lifted up, they honked, and I turned, and I was like, oh, what's up, guys? And I came back, and when I went to slam it back down, what I didn't realize was that I had pulled the T-post driver off of the post. And so when I threw it down, I threw it straight on top of my left foot. Now, when it happened, I go, <laughs> it, it didn't hurt initially as much as I thought it did or as, as I thought it would. And so I thought, uh-oh, I think I just broke some toes. Like, that, that's not good. This is, this is bad. But, you know, what am I, I going to do here? I guess I just broke my foot. 
So about 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds after I initially had the impact, my foot like exploded in pain. Like it was hurting so bad. And it started to swell up in my shoe. And I'd seen enough like episodes of like Rescue 911 and stuff like that, that I knew like you need to get, you know, like you got to cut open, not cut open, but like cut off any clothing so it doesn't restrict and swelling and all that sort of stuff. So I got my shoe off and I'll just tell you guys, there was a lot of blood. And I realized, uh-oh, this is much more serious than I thought it was. Now, it just so happened, I promise you guys this is true, I had forgotten my cell phone in the church building. So I was, you know, half a kilometer down the road at our bottom parking lot, and I was like, what am I going to do? I'm crying like a baby, you know, at this point, my foot is a mess. And I was like, I guess I've got to, like, get back up to the church office. So I'd driven a church van down there, and so I jumped in the church van, I dangled my foot out the door so I didn't make a mess, and I drove back up to the office. So I hobble in the front door, the receptionist has gone to lunch, I pick up her phone, and I call my pastor. And I'm like, Jimmy, I just had an accident. I dropped the T-post driver on my foot. Um, I think I need to go to the hospital. He says, Daniel, listen, you probably broke a couple toes and um, there's nothing the hospital can do for broken toes. Why don't you just go home, take some Advil, see how you feel tomorrow. And I'm like, Jimmy, man, I don't know. This seems pretty serious. There's a lot of blood. And he was like, "Mm, all right, let me come take a look. So he walks out there and the second he sees me, he's like, we got to get you to the hospital, man. So he throws me in the back of his expedition, but not before he goes into the sanctuary and he gathers every one of the baptism towels we have. And he comes back and he wraps my foot and he lines the back of his Jeep. We're in a hurry here. And I'm like, Jimmy, man, shouldn't we get going? And he's like, Brenda, his wife, she'll kill me if we get the back of this expedition bloody. And I'm like, okay. So we get in the back of the Jeep or the expedition. He takes me to the hospital. And I get in there, the nurse comes in to examine things. And again, I've got my sock on. Um, I I really don't know the extent of the damage. So I'm sitting on a bed with my feet out in front of me like this. The nurse says, okay, let's cut off your sock and let's see what's going on here. She cuts off the sock. And when she does, this toe is where it's supposed to be. This toe is where it's supposed to be. And these three guys, like little baby carrots, fall down on the bed. And I freaked out, you guys. I was crying and screaming and the nurse is running up to me and she's covering my eyes and she's like, sweetie, don't look, it's gonna be okay. We're gonna take care of you. And I'm like, my toes are missing. You know, I was losing my mind. This is true, this is true. So a doctor comes rushing in, he takes one look. He says, dude, we have to get you into surgery now. And so I go into surgery. I'll I'll spare you any more of the gory details, but I'll just tell you that after a couple of surgeries, two of my little piggies survived, but one little piggy went wee, wee, wee all the way home. And so now I only have nine toes. Now, why do I tell you that story? Besides the fact that it's just a great story and I need you guys to know it, like it's a good one, okay? Why do I tell you that story? Well, believe it or not, there is a section in the Bible where God uses the illustration of a body and in particular, body parts that are not connected the way that they should be to describe how you and I are supposed to relate to one another, what church is supposed to be and what church gets wrong when it's not functioning the way that God intends. He uses this kind of really weird and somewhat awkward and gross kind of story. So what I wanna do is I wanna take this idea of me and my stupid missing toe, 
we'll get to these guys here in just a moment. And, and a passage from the Bible in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. My hope is, after we kind of talk through this this morning for the next 20, 25 minutes or so, you guys are going to have a much more solid understanding of what it means to be in community and relationship with one another and what we miss out on when we are not connected to the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 12 is where this passage is found. Uh, I'm going to be reading here um, from, from this Bible. We actually have this Bible for free out at our guest center. So if you don't have a copy of the Bible on your way out the door, just snag one. We don't charge you. We want you to have a copy of the scripture. It's so important that you have this in your hands and you have the ability to read it on your own besides Sunday mornings that we want you to have a copy of this, okay? But we'll also have the verses on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you today. Totally cool. And we're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're going to start reading in verse number 12. So listen to this illustration, this analogy that the Bible uses. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles or Greeks. Some of us are slaves. Some of us are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share in that same spirit. So Paul, the guy who's writing this particular passage in the Bible, he's going to make an analogy. He's going to use the human body to illustrate the church of Jesus. The body, our physical bodies are illustrations of the church of Jesus. So he starts out by pointing out, hey, your body has a whole bunch of different parts, doesn't it? You're like head and shoulders, knees and toes head and shoulders, knees and toes. You've got all these body parts and they're all different. They have different functions. They carry out different purposes. They look different. They might, they're made up of different materials. You've got all of these different body parts. In fact, scientists, doctors tell us that if you get above the cellular, the cellular level, if you get just above like a single cell, the body has nearly 10,000 different parts. When you're, when you're factoring in joints and ligaments and nails and hair and internal organs and limbs and brains and, you know, all that stuff together, that we're talking like 10,000 different ways that you could kind of separate and combine the body. So there are a ton of different parts in each and every one of us. Now, this variety of parts, they all come together to make something whole. That on their own, the body parts are meaningless and useless, but when they come together, they form what we would know as you and I, the human body, right? So that's the, that's the, um, the illustration that he's going to start with here, and it's important that you understand that or you're going to miss kind of every other thing that comes after. Your body is a picture of what the church looks like, many different parts, Many different functions, but when they come together, they're able to create something new and unique and special and whole. Now, again, this is the way the church is supposed to be. The church is made up of many different kinds of people. If you look around the audience this morning, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see all kinds of different people, and that excites me. I want you to know that's one of the things that I'm most thrilled about when, when it comes to our church is the fact that not everybody who's in the audience looks like me. 
I think that's so cool, you guys, because I think that's the way that Jesus intended it. The church is supposed to be full of young people, and the church is supposed to be full of older people. I'm so glad we have older folks and younger folks in the same room this morning. The church is made up of men and women. It's not just the guys, it's not just the ladies, but together we're able to participate in the body of Christ. It's a bunch of different um, races, right? You look around here and we're all different people from different backgrounds and ethnicities. I love the fact that we've got white people and black people and Asian people and everything else under the sun. I was actually thinking about it today. And to the best of my ability, we have five of the seven continents represented at Connect Church. All we need is an Australian and a penguin, you guys, and we will have the entire world covered. If you know either one, bring them, okay? I love the fact that there's diversity. I love the fact that you don't look like me and talk like me. I love the fact that there's rich people and there's poor people and there's city people and there's country people and there's like country music people and hip hop people. There are even people who like ketchup chips in here. Like, I don't relate to you at all. I can't understand where you're coming from, but I'm telling you, I'm glad you're here. Because the body of Christ is made up of many different kinds of people. Can I tell you one of the most interesting facts about our faith? Um, in, in the month of September, we're going to be starting a series called Reasons to Believe. And we're going to be talking about some, some arguments that you may not know about that give us credible belief in God, and in particular in Christianity. And one of the most fascinating facts in the world to me is that Christianity is the most uniformly distributed religion in the world. Okay, so say with me here. If I say, oh, uh, um, what does a typical Hindu look like? You would picture probably an Indian person because that's the part of the world where Hinduism came from. And in fact, most of the world's Hindus are located in that part of the world. If I said, what is a Jewish person? You know, what, what would a typical Jewish person look like? You would picture somebody who has roots or history in ancient Israel. If I said Buddhism, you would picture somebody from parts of China or other parts of Asia because there is a concentration of that religion in a particular part of the world. And although they've spread out and certainly all religions find adherence in all corners of the world, when I say, what does a Christian look like? What do you picture? Because Christianity is not a white religion. You guys do realize that, right? It's not European. We follow a Middle Eastern savior. And yet the fastest growing and the largest portions of the Christian church are in Africa and South America. When you look at the distribution of Christianity around the world, you find out that it is the most spread, the most followed of all the religious systems when you start looking at the ethnicities and cultures that it has impacted. I'll tell you that to me, that is strong evidence it's true. Because if this is really good news for all people, then all people would be participating in it. And I'm telling you, all people are. The body of Christ is made up of many, many different kinds of people, and it's wonderful that it is. So this illustration 
That, um, you know, the, the body is, uh, rather the church of Jesus is like our human bodies with all these different parts and functions and they come together. It is so common in the New Testament that often you will hear the church of Jesus referred to as the body of Christ. That's actually the phrase that was used there in 1 Corinthians chapter number 12, verse 13 that we read a moment ago. It is the body of Christ. So Paul sets up an argument that he's about to make that you are like a body. You've got different functions and parts, but when you join together in Jesus' church, something really special happens. He's gonna continue this argument here in, in another couple of verses, and we'll read it. His point that he's gonna make, and I wonder if you can kind of see this in his words, is that not only is your body an illustration of the church, but every part of the body is important. Every part of the body is important. So look at what he says here in verses 14 through 18. He says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, then how would you hear? If your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But he says, our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. So Paul says, look, I want you to consider the parts of your body, maybe your ears and your eyes. And I want you to think to yourself, you know, I've got two eyes, could I deal without one of them? Would it be okay if I just lost one? Would that be all right? Because I've got a spare, right? No, absolutely not. He says every single part of the body is important. And every single person that participates in the body of Christ is also important. You wouldn't want to lose any part of your body, nor do we want to lose any part of the body of Christ. If you're wondering to yourself, but yeah, is every part really all that important? Let me tell you the story of a girl that I met at summer camp earlier this year. I was speaking at a camp in Oklahoma, and there was this girl that came up to me. And uh, long story short, she was deaf. And so when I was speaking, she couldn't hear me even with microphone amplification. And so instead, she gave me this little device. It was a fascinating thing that I wore on a necklace. And when I spoke, it didn't pick up my voice. It actually picked up the vibrations in my chest. And then she had an app on her phone and she plugged in her earphones to her iPhone and the vibrations from my chest were distributed to her ears. It was the most bananas thing in the world. It was really, really cool. But the reason that this girl named Sydney was deaf is because the three smallest bones in the human body are inside of your ear. And Sydney was born without one of those tiny little bones. Like this is like that little bone would fit on the tip of your finger many times over. It's such a small thing, right? Like, okay, it's a little bone, big deal. If you didn't have it, it wouldn't be that big of an issue, would it? Wrong. Go ask Sydney. She couldn't hear as a result. And so even the tiniest little parts of our body, they really matter. And if you don't have them, then it's going to impact you. And usually it's going to impact negatively. If, uh, if you need another illustration, let's talk teeth for a moment. You got 32 of them. If you lost your front tooth, would you be like, eh, no big deal. I got 31 others. 
No, of course not. Beyond just the looks of things, go talk to your dentist. If you have a missing tooth, it impacts all the other teeth around it, right? Every single tooth, every single bone, every single part of your body is important. And can I tell you that every single person who makes up the body of Christ is also unique and important. There is not a single one of you that is here today that is expendable. There's not a single one of you that does not have a place in this body, this church. Every single one of you has a purpose and you're here on purpose. God has created some of you to be the heart in his body, in his church. You're an encourager. You just got that gift. You see somebody who's hurting, you're quick to put an arm around them. You weep with those who weep. You laugh with those who laugh because God has set you to be the heart in his body. That's how you were formed. That's the purpose you're supposed to have. Some of you guys are supposed to be the bicep in the body of Christ. You know, you don't mind pushing carts. You don't mind stacking chairs. You don't mind setting up flags. You're willing to do whatever you need to do to make this thing happen because God has created you like the muscles in this body. Some of you guys are the voice of the body of Christ. God has set you, he's gifted you so that you could stand on stage with a microphone and you could give voice to the worship of the body. Some of you guys have been created to be the spleen in the body of Christ. Now, I don't know what the spleen actually does, but it has a purpose, and so do you. So do you. You may not know what it is. We may not know what it is yet, but we can help you figure it out. When I was a stupid 20-year-old cutting off my toes, I didn't know, I didn't know that I had a gift for communicating God's word. I just didn't know it at the time. I had no idea. But I discovered that that was the way God had formed me and that was the part that he wanted me to play in his body. We've got people who serve in every capacity at this church. And I'm telling you, they weren't born. They didn't come out of the womb saying, I think I wanna play bass guitar on Sunday mornings. No, they discovered later that they were created to be one part of a much bigger whole. And I want you guys to be a part of this larger whole. Do you know that's why we do Next Steps here at our church? You hear us talk about it week in and week out. We're always inviting you to come to Next Steps. And the reason that we have Next Steps set up the way that we do is so that you can come discover how you have been created, how you have been gifted, and then we can help you find the proper place in the body of Christ. Every single body part is important. We need you. Our body is lacking without you. So then Paul goes on and he makes kind of one final argument here. And I'll just be frank with you. This one's a little weird. So um, just roll with me for a moment, okay? He points out that anytime a body part is disconnected, something is really wrong. Anytime a body part is disconnected from the larger whole, something has gone terribly wrong. If you look in, in verse number 20, Paul says this. He says, yes, there are many parts, but there's still only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. 
Basically, Paul makes a point here that any time a body part is disconnected from the larger whole, something has gone terribly wrong. When I cut off my toes, guys, it was immediately obvious that something had gone completely wrong. They're called body parts for a reason. Because they only function the way that they were intended when this part joins with this part to create one unified whole. Every single time a body part is disconnected from the rest of the body, something has gone terribly wrong. Some of you guys have been like grossed out by this. You're looking at this and you're like, why does he keep those up there on stage, man? That's really gross. Um, in case you're wondering, yes, these are genuine human body part replicas. Um, so <laughs> they are. Got them on Amazon. Let me tell you, when they showed up at the church office, every one of the staff was like, what is even going on around here? And you're wondering, why? Why do you have these on stage? Why do you have a severed hand? Why do you have a severed foot? Why do you have a heart floating in food coloring and water? And, water? and let me tell you, the reason why is because I want you to be uncomfortable. I want you to look at that and think, ew, that's gross. Because body parts are not meant to be disconnected from the rest of the body. Anytime that happens, anytime a body part is disconnected from the whole, something has gone wrong. It's painful. It's bloody. It's kind of gross. This is the point. This is why Paul uses this kind of shocking illustration that anytime a body part is disconnected, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. And guys, if a body part is disconnected, it's not just the part that suffers, it's the rest of the body. When a body part is disconnected, it can't fulfill its function. It can't be what it's supposed to be. It's missing the, the, the nutrients and the, and the um, electrical impulses that it needs, all of that sort of stuff. But in reality, anytime something is missing, the body suffers as well. Anytime a body part is disconnected, something has gone terribly, terribly wrong. If you'll allow me, I want to tell you that too many of you are living like this right now. Too many of you have been disconnected from the body of Christ. Too many of you have thought, I can do this on my own. I don't need to be there all the time. I can follow Jesus from the comfort of my own couch. I challenge you on that. Partially because you were created to play one role in the larger body. There are things that you are gifted in, and there are things that you couldn't do to save your life. Guys, I can get up and I can teach you the scripture all day long, but if you want me to sing a solo, we are in trouble. I can't lead you in worship. I can't do that. That's not my function. I could barely even lift things. God didn't make me a bicep. So we've all got this function that we're supposed to fill inside of Christ's church. And too many of us have disconnected. And because of that, we're withering. We're dying. In the same way that a hand or a tooth or even a toe would wither and die if it were not connected to the rest of the body. Parts thrive when they stay connected. Parts die when they get disconnected. 
For so many of you, this describes why your relationship with God has felt dry and withered and separated. You're like, man, there have been times in my life where I was so close to God, and today it's just not that way, and I don't know what it is. Part of it could be because you've disconnected from the rest of the body. And any time a body part is disconnected, something has gone terribly wrong. If you want to have a vital, living relationship with God, then you've got to stay connected. So let me ask you, and again, I I understand this is kind of awkward, and I'm not trying to step on your toes or anything like that. That was a weird metaphor. It's a a weird turn of phrase. I'm not, I'm genuinely not. But, But let me ask you, Like, how connected are you really to the larger body of Christ? I'm not asking if you're a believer. I'm not asking, like, if you, you know, you would consider yourself a Jesus person or anything like that. I'm just asking, like, how connected are you to the body? You know, the average person in Canada, the average Christian, rather, I should say, I'm sorry. The average Christian in Canada goes to church one to two times a month. That means that in the course of 30 days, you'll get one to two hours corporate worship, teaching, and opportunities to serve. If your foot was only connected for two hours a month, do you think your foot would be healthy? Of course not. Would the rest of your body be healthy if every other week the doctors had to come in and try to reattach it? No, of course not. We have to stay connected. Now, listen, some of you guys are here week in and week out. You've made a commitment. You know how valuable this is. And I want you to know I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that you're functioning as the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm grateful that you're living as the heart of this church. I am so very thankful for you. Stay connected. Keep plugging in. Keep doing what you were designed to do. But for those of you guys and you're like, yeah, you know, church is kind of a part of my life. I want to challenge you to go further. I want to challenge you to go deeper. I want to challenge you to really get connected because you will be alive in a way that you have never been before when you really plug in, when you really stay connected. This is God's will. This is his plan. Maybe some of you, you're, it's not, you know, it's not Sundays, you're great on Sundays, but you've never taken the step to go into community in connect groups. Man, can I just once more tell you when the semester starts up in a few weeks, Get signed up for a connect group. It is the best thing you can do for your soul. I had somebody, many of you know this person. He was very active in our church. And he came to me a few weeks ago and he said, hey, Dan, I just, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to be leaving connect. And I said, oh, why? I'm so sad to hear that. Are you moving? Did you take a job somewhere? And he said, no, I've just never found any community or friendships. And I said, oh my gosh, we have failed you. We have horribly, horribly failed you. Tell me, um, what connect groups were you involved in? And he said, oh, well, I don't really do connect groups. That's not my thing. Um, I just, I, you know, I can't really, that's not me. Well, wait a second. You're telling me you want to be connected. You want relationships, but you won't take any steps to have relationships. You won't take any steps to be connected. I'm not picking on him and I'm not picking on you. I'm just telling you, if you disconnect from the body of Christ, You're going to wither and die. That's just how it works. So I want to challenge you to get connected. And if you're connected already, like you're here, man, I do my thing. I show up every single week and I've been involved in a connect group. There are body parts that are not disconnected, 
but they are dislocated. You ever dislocated something, an ankle, a shoulder, anything like that? It's still attached. It's not going to die, but it can't function. And quite frankly, we have too many people that will come and they'll sit on Sundays and they'll passively passively observe, but don't participate. Listen, we need you. You're the freaking elbow in the body of Christ. And I want you to understand that when you're not connected, you can't fulfill your role. And when you're not connected, our church cannot be whole. Maybe I'll make this the bottom line for our message today. You're not whole without the church and the church is not whole without you. This is why church is so great because it's not like me standing up here saying, you need me. You don't need me, I need you. My spiritual life is not what it could be because there are parts of the body that up until this point have been disconnected. That's true of every one of us. We are all a part of this body of Christ. And every single part is valuable and needed. And any time one of those body parts has disconnected, something has gone wrong. And so today, I want to invite you to commit to connecting. I really do. I want to invite you to take a step in instead of a step further away. I want you to say, you know what? Next Sunday when step one rolls around, I'm doing it. I'm making the plan. I'll stick around for 30 extra minutes after the service. I want you to make the commitment that next time group signups happen, we have group link, I'm there. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make Sundays a priority because I need it. And the people around me, they need me too. Jesus, I pray for each and every part of this greater whole. The truth is, we cannot follow you solo. It's a group endeavor. And God, I want so much for this church to be vital and connected and interdependent on one another. And so God, I pray in the areas of my own life where I'm still disconnected, there are parts of me that I have not given over fully to this community and to you, that God, I would let go. I would say, yes, I would lean in. And I pray the same would be true for every single person in the auditorium. God, I want us to experience life and life overflowing in you. I pray that you would make us a strong church that has every single thing it needs because we are all connected to you. I pray that your word would find home in our hearts today. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior, the head of our body. Amen.